The Rick Jensen Show on AM 1150 and 1017FM WDEL. Philadelphia, please get the call. There's a man with mental problems. He's raging. Has a knife. Please help. Reportedly, that was the third call of the day. We talked about it, and that's when I learned, and I, I didn't know until just this week, that Newcastle County Police Department has a behavioral health unit that's designed to avoid a tragic outcome like that, wherein the police couldn't calm him down, couldn't do anything, he wouldn't drop the knife, he went at them with the knife, they shot him, he died. On the phone right now from Newcastle County Police Department, Commander of the Behavioral Health Unit, Lieutenant Alan Herring, and Officer First Class Colleen Kearns. Thanks for being on. Colleen, thank you for being on. Hey, sir. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And by the way, it's, it's Rick. You should never call me, sir. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I haven't earned it. Alan has earned it. I, I haven't earned it. Alan, thanks. For, I hope you don't mind if I just call you by your first names. Is that okay? Not a problem, Rick. Go right ahead. Perfectly fine. Okay, so uh, I'm going to presume for the conversation that, Colleen, you're in the field and, and doing this a lot more often than Alan is, or am I mistaken? No, that's correct. I, I am the officer in the field. Perfect. So I want to start with Lieutenant Herring here um, to get an understanding of how this behavioral health unit works. Let's say, for example, and I'm sure you've gotten these phone calls, we get a phone call that was similar to Philadelphia. They sent out two police officers what is the response with the Newcastle County Police Department when you get a call like that? Rick, in the Newcastle County Police Department, um, we do have uh, you know over 60 individuals who are crisis intervention team trained. Uh, that's done through the National Alliance for Mental Illness. Uh, and it's a yearly training that officers go through uh, in order to get certified. And in order to be part of the mental health unit, you would have to have, be a, a crisis intervention team trained officer. So these officers are trained specifically in how to deal with uh, situations involving mental health and able to de-escalate those situations, uh, as well as connect the individuals to appropriate resources to ensure that uh, they get the care that's necessary and needed. Yeah, well, I think a lot of us are thinking about what's the first thing that happens, because people are saying, well, why do they just uh, send you know police officers out? Gosh, and, and some people saying, and I think it's mistakenly, uh, if they only have a gun, that's their only tool. And that's, But when you have somebody who's trained in crisis intervention through NAMI, um, when the call comes in, what are, what's, the, what's the information that you're getting from 911 to tell you, oh, we have to send out uh, one or two specialists? Well, Rick, we, we have two officers on the team. It's uh, Officer First Class Kearns as well as uh, Officer First Class Amari George. Um, they're out in the road, uh, you know, working on follow-ups for individuals dealing with mental illness to make sure that the connections are confirmed and listening out to the radio. So as they're hearing dispatches from our radio room uh, involving anything that may, you know, trigger, hey, this sounds like it may have a root cause of mental illness, it's something we're going to go to. Um, I would love to say that, you know, those number, we, two officers is enough to cover that. It is not. Uh, there has been a definite spike in mental health calls uh, over the past year due to COVID. Um, but, you know, as they're available and when they're in service, they are out there listening for those active 911 calls in order to respond. Well, let's get to Officer First Class Kearns here. Colleen, um, just paint the picture for us. You're, you're uh, on patrol. 
and you hear a call. What are some of the keywords you're listening for to determine whether or not you um, and or any of these other officers need to respond? So if, if we see on the board if anybody's calling in for a mental health crisis or depression or suicidal, that's when we're going to um, put ourselves in route. So uh, I show up with uh, my coworker who is a uh, licensed mental health professional. And as we're in route, we're using our partners. We are looking um, for any past reports. If they are connected to care, we're calling them while we're en route to see if their caseworker can get there uh, to work with us when we're on scene. If they're not connected to care, we work not only with that ind individual, but also with their families to try to get as much information um, about what's going on. We have called en route and spoke to parents and loved ones. Uh, can you give us a history? Can you tell us what works for de-escalation? Do they like to talk about sports? Do they like to talk about their children? What not to talk about uh, to that person? What's going to trigger them to um, escalate? We want to de-escalate. Uh, as soon as we arrive on scene, uh, myself and the other patrol officers will make sure the scene's safe. And as soon as the scene's safe, we bring in our social worker and we work together to uh, de-escalate that person, and then find the appropriate level of care. We don't want to see people getting arrested or going to emergency rooms. We want them to use the right mental health resources, whether that's going to a Rockford Meadowood or calling their doctor or getting them an appointment for a follow-up. Colleen, when you said on the board, is that the computer screen in the patrol vehicle or is it something else? Yeah, that's our CAD. So um, we look at what uh, officers are going to uh, now, so it's our uh, system for 911, so it's, it gives us the address, who's calling in, um, and what information that our uh, call takers have already uh, got from the person that's reporting. So you get as much information as you possibly can from the family or whoever's calling in the incident to understand how you might approach this individual. Um, are you often the first ones on the scene, or is there another officer uh, on the scene because maybe they're closer? In general, I'm just wondering who's on the scene first, and, and then we'll get to more about trying to make the, uh, the scene safe. So it, it varies. Sometimes we are the first because we are the closest, but all of our officers have uh, basic mental health training. Um, our CIT officers, the crisis intervention team officers, put themselves en route uh, as soon as they hear that it's a mental health call. So it could vary uh, from patrol, from us, and the CIT officers. We even have a veterans uh, response, uh, veterans team that they are CIT trained officers. They are either currently veterans or active military. So and, they and, are and, and what is the, uh, why is that? Why does that need to be a specialized unit when it comes to working with veterans with mental health issues? So veterans with mental health issues, having a veteran talk to another veteran, they know the lingo. Uh, they can relate to service. I wouldn't know if uh, somebody told me what their MOS was, where a person that's been in the military um, can help de-escalate situations because they know what uh, each other has been through. It's that it. common ground and 
uh, like Yankee. So in Newcastle County, we have, uh, if I'm if I'm making the correct notes here, 60 uh, officers who have been who've gone through this training for crisis intervention through the National Association for Mental uh, Illness. Is, is that right, NAMI? Correct. Okay. And they're called to the scene or they see on the board that it looks like something that they need to be involved with. You talked about making the scene safe. Now, we were talking about the situation in Philadelphia, and you could have you know, four police officers there, maybe two trying to keep the crowd back. People don't go in their homes. They don't need to go in their homes. I mean, they should, but... Um, but they're going to resist. They're not going to go in their homes and be yelling and, and, and screaming. You can't control them. You can guide and direct them, but you really can't control them. So I'm wondering, what do you do? How do you do it? And, and how important is it for people to be standing away from the scene? Rick, I think one of the biggest things is, is you know, the cooperation and assistance eliciting that from, from individuals there. Um, time and distance is, is your friend and really enables it to de-escalate. Uh, I, I think it's on a case-by-case basis, and, and it always varies. Um, one of the things that we do as, as the department that we're starting to implement as we're expanding the unit and, and bringing on partnerships with Christiana Care and new uh, University of Delaware through our metrics and, and, and kind of grading the program, um, we know with two officers we can't cover 24-7. So we've implemented a crisis response report that enables officers to capture people's words, actions, and behaviors on mental health calls and take the actions that uh, help de-escalate a situation or actions that uh, escalated the situation and and put them in a simple PDF document that's accessible to all officers to see. And it'll also track as to, you know, hey, who's a point of contact that helps to de-escalate this situation and allows for the officers to be able to call to get somebody else in there who may be able to help when the, uh, the the mental health unit isn't available. You know, I watch video of so many of these different calls that are in the news and some that really don't get in the news, but they're on social media. You have police officers trying to hold people back, hold people back, but they're not they're not stepping back and they're yelling, they're swearing, they're cursing at you, and there's a huge distraction. I mean, how can you actually control a scene, as it were, when you have that sort of thing going on and, and they hate you and they're, they're yelling and screaming and swearing and all that. So I think uh, one great thing that we do here at uh, Newcastle County is that we have a great community service unit that uh, works with the community prior to an incident. So we have uh, our play zones where we're out there and the community gets to know us. So having those the deposits in the community and having contacts of who's the community leader there that can help and to de-escalate the crowd, if you will, uh, when we're dealing with somebody that's in a crisis. So the pre-work that we have done in the community has really helped us. Oh, no, I've been to a lot of community meetings throughout Newcastle County, and whether they're civic associations or, or other organizations like, you know, revitalizing, Claymont, things like that, and there's always... Uh, county liaison police officer there to, to talk with people and um, and to be yelled at and and, uh, and and try to you know uh, work with folks in that way as well um, I, I'd like to get a, a really good picture from either one of you or maybe both of you to this question so 
the call comes in. You see it on the board there in the in the patrol car, and you see where they're calling and saying we have a, a person with uh, mental health issues wielding a knife. I'm just go right back to Philly, which was happened you know earlier this week. And you see that you get to the scene, and there's a crowd of people. They're yelling and screaming. And here's this guy. He's raging. He's obviously not able to control his his own behavior. What do you do? So every situation is different. So one thing we want to do is create distance, slow it down if we can, use the family members to help if they're positive. Uh, and I feel like if we're out there and the community sees that, they will also de-escalate. If they see us work using our de-escalation skills and using the family and doing the time and the distance to calm the situation down, it will also calm the community down. And, Rick, I think, you know, that, that time and distance and isolation, um, it, it all comes down to uh, – within Newcastle County, our, our dedication to, to training the officers, as Colleen said, with the, you know, the CIT officers, as well as the yearly CALEA uh, accreditation training that we have to put officers through, um, training that's done through the academy. Uh, we're part of the International Association of Chiefs of Police One Mind Pledge to get at least 20% of the department CIT trained. Uh, we are currently going through train the trainer modules for mental health first aid, as well as uh, trauma-informed training for both adult and juveniles. So having this unit being able to attend those different trainings and then getting out and, and relaying that information out to the department, uh, you know, helps give the officers more tools in the tool belt to be able to deal with situations. So I, I remember the tragedy of Joseph Zerba. We all remember that. He responded to a call, I think it was in Penn Acres. It was a man with a knife, and sadly uh, they engaged, and, uh, and Officer Zerba uh, was murdered. And, and I'm wondering, in a situation like, like that, is there a new, uh, a new way of responding uh, to a situation like that? Or is that just one of these things wherein someone responds, the others can't get there soon enough? How, how does what you're doing now with the Behavioral Health Unit respond, uh, relate to uh, an incident like that? Uh Rick, one of the things with the, the Newcastle County Police Department is you know, we, we look to solve things at the root cause and, and to tr try and prevent incidents before they happen. And, you know, with that, uh, in 2016, the Hero Help Addiction Unit was, was initiated, and that's also part of the Behavioral Health Unit. So we're specifically going out to engage individuals dealing with substance use disorder to try and connect them to care through either through law enforcement-assisted diversion, um, outreach for non-fatal overdoses, uh, things such as that, and then we provide ongoing intensive case management for those individuals with our partners uh, in order to get them the appropriate level of care to hopefully prevent future calls for service, whether it be mental health or addiction. Now, I'm just wondering about the, the call itself now, and whereas you and, uh, and Officer First Class uh, Kearns were talking about you're watching the board, you send somebody out uh, in, in a situation like that, it sounds to me like you are doing something that's new, um, fairly unique around the country. Is this also one of the reasons why uh, Newcastle County Police Department was able to achieve uh, a very unique and uh, and highly admired uh, accreditation? Well, the, the accreditation's been around, uh, I can't remember the exact when we started it, but we've been getting uh, accredited for, for many years now, at least over 10. Um, and, you know, part of that accreditation is that extra dedication to training 
and to setting standards and, and meeting those standards. Uh, it, you know, it definitely um, it is a, a fundamental tool within our department to, to push and, and make sure that we maintain that because yeah. it, it gives yeah. us that ability to, you know, show that we are uh, transparent and open and dedicated to our principles. I have encouraged my listeners to go online and read Continuum of Force or Force Continuum and understand, you know, what the process is before somebody uh, draws a gun. And there's been so much, uh, I guess, debate about this. And, and I don't want to get into a whole lot of politics, but, you know, the bottom line is that um, if you have somebody who is, and, and unfortunately now they're saying, you know, unarmed with a knife, what do you say to folks who've called this this program uh, and said, oh, gosh, uh, couldn't you just shoot in the leg and uh, couldn't you just uh, tase somebody? And, and why do you have to shoot somebody when they're coming? They're just there, you know, just with a knife. So when we respond to somebody with a knife, uh, we want to make sure that we can try to have distance and time to de-escalate and, and work with the person. Uh, unfortunately, we can't go over every situation because it's, it varies, but we want to make sure if the person is suffering from the mental uh, health crisis, are, are we calling mobile crisis? Do they have a history? Are we using the partners in the community the best way that we can to help the person that's suffering? Yeah, what I'm hearing from you is that uh, this is a program that is designed with the National Association of uh, Mental Illness folks. You have 60 officers trained for crisis intervention, and it sounds like uh, it's it's a program that's expanding. The more you learn, the more you do, and then the, the more you put into place as well. Is that accurate? It, Rick, that, that's exactly accurate. And we're, we're kind of building the plane as we're flying it. We're up, we're operational, and we're expanding at the same time. Uh, through our partnership with Christiana Care, we're bringing on six additional employees uh, that will be Christiana employees, uh, four for the addiction unit and two for the mental health unit. So we'll have uh, two for, Two officers uh, riding in a co-responder model, and that unit will also have, also have a case manager. That case manager will, will assist with a lot of the administrative paperwork and ensuring people are connected to care and conducting follow-ups so that the officers can be out there to respond to the individuals in crisis. I have a question from uh, from Patrick at, on the text line. Uh, do all Newcastle County police officers carry tasers? Hmm. Yes. All, all officers, all patrol officers yeah. have tasers. All right. Hey, listen, I really appreciate your time. I really, truly do. Lieutenant Alan Herring, who's commander of uh, the Behavioral Health Unit, also Officer First Class Colleen Kearns, who is on there on the street watching the boards and responding as well. When a call comes in and there is a mental health aspect to this call, they bring in uh, themselves and or other officers who are trained specifically for crisis intervention. I'm really glad that you agreed to be on the program to talk about this because you know who you're talking to. You never know what I'm going to ask. And I mean, <laughs> I hear that from the governor, lieutenant governor. Oh, gosh, we just don't know what Jensen's going to ask. But I really appreciate the fact that, that you've actually talked about this uh, on, on the air. I'll get it online on the podcast page. Is there anything else you want people to know before we close this up in about 30 seconds? Now, Rick, I, I appreciate the time and, and for going easy on us, but, you know, the community policing and the innovative thinking has been a, a core aspect of this department since its inception. 
And I was able to confirm we've been accredited since 1988. So just to yeah. clarify that a little bit. But um, also one more clarification on the executive officer, Captain John Treadwell, my commander. So uh, okay. unfortunately, he couldn't be here. But, uh, you know, it, us working in partnership with providers, us working in partnership with, you know, the largest healthcare provider in the state has really led to uh, innovative beginnings. And we're looking forward to the continued partnerships and what we're going to be able to build.